It's the bottom line. On News Radio 610, KONA. From the Tri Cities to Olympia to DC, we break down. The stories of the day and the people making the news. And that's the bottom line. Time to get the bottom line. Presented by McCary Meats in Basin City with your hosts, Rob Francis and Ed Dawson. Benton County Sheriff Jerry Hatcher and Michelle Gerber with the Benton Franklin Recovery Coalition will join us to discuss the organization's goals. Another tragic event over the weekend politicized for points before the victims even stopped breathing. And... How many people were ticked off with last night's Game of Thrones? But first, give us your bottom line. It's your voice, your show. Call the LegendsCasino.com hotline, 509-547-1610. Welcome into the bottom line. News Radio 610 KONA, Monday afternoon. The legislative session in Olympia is officially over, Ed. Yeah. It ended the way, well, I guess kind of the last week was run, and that was... Early morning hours with votes being done when the public was sleeping uh, to advance measures and tax increases uh, that received no public comment because, well, they already know how the public is going to respond. Most of the public is going to respond to them. Uh, There were some minor victories for um, people in eastern Washington. Minor victories, and when I say minor victories, I say um, the $750,000 that the governor wanted to include for a study to breach the dams was not included in the final budget. So that's one small win. Uh, Also, not included, capital gains tax. Yeah, that's a big one, too. But it it was also the one that was the highest profile and... Everyone and their dog knew that it would be challenged in court the second that it was passed. And the challenge and that challenge would then basically hold up the budget from being implemented. Yeah. So I guess even the Democrats can pick their battles. So basically what it what it reverted to was roughly eight hundred and fifty million dollars in new taxes instead of the uh, nearly $3 billion that they were anticipating. Um, that would have been the result of, or the estimations from a capital gains tax that would have been included. $850 million in new taxes. Uh, some groups will see an increase in their B&O tax, about a percent uh, with each passage uh, of those special B&Os. Uh, an increase on uh, oil taxes, uh, an increase on, uh, I believe there was also an increase on freight, on transporting uh, oil through the state. There, there are extra requirements that have been put on that that wound up be maybe coming uh, cost prohibitive. Um, you could see in the next couple of years, depending on how the taxes wind up going through, uh, upwards of, I believe, a maximum of $0.52 cents potentially on the gas tax over the next couple of years? Oh, good, because, you know, we already have the most expensive gas in the country. We're number two Well, behind y- Pennsylvania. Okay. As far as tax is concerned, state tax. Yeah, but overall cost. Overall cost, I think we're number, yeah, we're number two still. Well, it's it, between Washington and Oregon because they're so heavily taxed. Right. And, California. And we forget them. Well, Washington and Oregon have been flip-flopping between first and second 
uh, for quite a while for two reasons. One, they both heavily taxed the gas. Right. And two, it's already expensive to get the fuel up here right. uh, to the remote northwest, right? But as far as the tax itself goes, Pennsylvania instituted last year a $0.68 cent, uh, gas tax that put their total state tax above our total state tax um, just on that basis. So depending on the day, depending on the way the wind blows, depending on everything else, yeah, that one, two, and three can can flip-flop at any point in time. Um, a, a big win was the rural broadband bill. Yes. Um, so rural communities will be able to get better access to broadband. Um but the big the, the big loss, and quite honestly, and and when it when it came down and everything was done, um, Ed, you reached out to the local school districts to try and get comment on the levy lift, which was a huge part of the state supreme court's acceptance of the legislature's. Uh, what is the, what is the right word I'm looking for? Uh, compliance with the McCleary decision. Yeah, this one's this one's obviously very layered. First, you mentioned uh, you know the local school districts. I did reach out, heard back from two of the three. I've not heard back from Pasco yet. Uh, Kennewick, uh, their response was uh, they haven't really thought about it. I'm sure at some point they'll address it, but they just passed a multi-year levy uh, in a little over a year ago. So they're kind of in the midst of, of theirs right now. So they don't need to put another one before the voters for another few years. Uh, Richland was a no comment. And again, no here, no, nothing either way from Pasco. Right. What this will do, and, and you hit, you hit on, I think the most important part that yes, the school districts will be able to once again uh, do their own levies, you know, pro or con. I mean, however you look at it, I mean, if from a competitive basis, you know, one school district versus another, uh, you know, all those different reasons, pros and cons. Here's the biggest part of this situation, though. And you alluded to it. The McCleary decision over a decade ago said that it was the paramount duty of the state to fully fund K through 12 education. Okay. So they put it off and put it off and put it off. Finally, two years ago in 2017, when the chambers were split in Olympia, they were able to, after a lengthy um, special session to hammer out a deal that seemed to be okay. Yeah, it cost the state a lot of money, but it, you know, there was there was a formula, right? There was yes. there was a formula and above all else the 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 state supreme court gave its approval. Yes. Which meant the McCleary lawsuit was settled and that was that was done and it wasn't going to hang over the legislature or the state any longer. And the other part of that, too, was as long as they were out of compliance, the legislature was technically being fined. Uh, I think it was, what, $10,000 a day or yeah, something, like, something that like that for being in contempt of the decision. Mm-hmm. And therefore, that was continually hanging over the legislature as well, uh, knowing that as long as this was not satisfied, they were being held in contempt for violating 
the decision. So, so that was cleared up as well. Right. So then in the wee hours this weekend... We hours, we mean we hours. Yes. Like early in the morning, one o'clock in the morning type. The democratically controlled chambers didn't completely dismantle all the work from two years ago, but they took, they, they reversed a big chunk of it, and that was the local schools, school district's ability to levy extra tax dollars depending on what their individual needs were. And again, you can make an argument pro and con for putting it in the hands of local districts. Should there be one uniform thing across the state? You know, should uh, you know, Seattle schools have different needs than the Tri-City schools and all this stuff? And, and I think you can, you can, and the thing is, is they've had this discussion about the pros and cons of that. What really burns my bridge down is they're heading back to court. This McCleary thing is going to resurface yep. either either as a violation of of the terms that they that everybody agreed to and the and the court signed off on two years ago years ago or a fresh new lawsuit is going to be filed because of that inequity and so we're I just I, I don't get it I just don't get it you well, know number one. Oh, I get it. I well, get it I do, exactly. No, I do too. But but a, a caveat to this discussion, though, and, and we're talking about education, is it, it clearly is the biggest line on the budget. Uh, and by doing this, a lot more money is going to get pumped into some school districts. Okay, uh, what isn't going to get money, and what really held things up? between the Senate and the House, even though they're both controlled by the same party, and that nearly derailed them getting out on time, was the fact that uh, charter schools were not included in the K-12 through education budget picture. So do you now have a charter school filing a lawsuit? Maybe. Maybe. You got a big mess is what you have because they decided to undo something that, look, I think we all know where the problem came. The re it was not a flawed system in it, what the what the legislature came up with two years ago was a decent system. Mm -hmm. What happened was a big money grab by the yep. by the teachers unions. And the school districts allowed it to happen. Yep. And so they're both at fault of why we're in this situation. You're up on the bottom line. News Radio 610 K1A. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Well, this is Art from uh, Kennewick. And, uh, you know, things are just getting too expensive. I went to a uh, track meet here in the Tri-Cities. It was high school. Three teams are involved. And, you know, anymore it's not a varsity meet. You had we had in running in the hundred uh, hundred meter uh, run nine heats for the boys. Now this takes extra coaches. They go on trips and so forth, and of course the coaches uh, the money they get goes to the retirement and so forth. I'm not going to say it shouldn't, but you know we got to make cuts. And there were six or seven heats for the girls. Now there are just three schools. 
And this was a meet. I don't think they have varsity and junior varsity anymore. You just take the whole business. So eight times nine is 72 running in the 100 meter just in three schools. Now, this takes a lot of coaches and everything, and I think we got to start cutting back. Thank you. Okay, thanks for the call. And, uh, you know, when you talk about these budgets, you talk about the amount of money that's floating in. Maybe that's a fair question. This is you turn around and you look at it and you go, okay, when you're beginning to look at your budget, where do you begin to cap things? And can you cap things at participation? Can you cap things in order to, to be able to look at not having to increase a levy? You look at organizational costs. Is this a place you can begin? We're back to talk more about it when we go to the bottom line. Now back to the bottom line on News Radio 610 KONA. Presented by McCary Meats in Basin City. It's your voice, your show. Call the LegendsCasino.com hotline 509 547 1610. You can email us too. Just go to the website 610KONA.com. Go to the bottom line page. Send us your question or your comment. Ed Dawson, Rob Francis on a Monday afternoon unpacking uh, the legislative session in Olympia that went sine die. I guess, you know, one one positive, if you want to look at it this way, it's the first time in a couple of budget sessions that they got out on time. But <laughs> yeah, at but what the, cost? Right, exactly. At what and, cost? And, and, and that's, the, that's, that's the big thing here. Look. The the WEA is is probably the happiest group um, with the levy lift because now they can go back to school districts and say, well, yeah, we grabbed did our money grab, but now you could go back and just get all that money back by uh, hitting your own communities, which, by the way, goes against the element of the state being responsible mm-hmm. for school funding. This now puts it back on the local school districts to assist in the funding, which was deemed to be illegal in the first place. Well, it's why, and which it, is why the McCleary decision came down the way it was, is that there was too much of a burden being placed on local levies when when it's the state's the state's duty to do it, not the local towns and, and municipalities. And, and you're absolutely right. And not only the the local um, burdened burden versus the state's burden, but the inequity, you know, you're going to have again. You know, Mercer Island, Bellevue, they can raise much more, not only because they have a larger population base, but they can get away with a larger levy amount because of the people that live in those districts, much more so than the smaller rural ones, mostly in eastern Washington. So you're going to have you're going to have the burden fall uh, more again on local taxpayers and there's going to be a big inequity statewide it's almost like they just crumpled up the mccleary uh you know the the mccleary mccleary uh resolution from the state supreme court saying good job everyone you're in compliance crumpled it up and tossed it away well but here's again where we come back to the original well not the original question but really the the biggest 
question to ask in all of this. How much money do you really need? Because as no, we've a question. well, because as we've gone over this over the last couple of years, you know, we had school districts here that did the power grab. Sure. And, and and all of that money went into salaries and what's left for the school district. Right. Pocket lint. So, right. And that's what and, and that's what the school districts were complaining about was you did this fix and we're in the same spot. We don't have any money for anything. Well, well, I'm you, sorry, well, you gave it all to the teachers, whether you thought you had to or not. Right. That they, was your call. They leveraged all of that money out of you for raises. And now you're back in a situation whether you thought this was going to happen, whether you had an idea, whether there was a a wink, wink, nudge, nudge that happened that said, don't worry, we're going to lift the levy list so you can go back and you can just raise the percentage of the levy lift in your local area and get that money again, which you weren't supposed to in the first place. How much money do you actually need? I mean, we get bonds put. Every few years or so. Well, bonds for, are for construction. I understand that. But we get bonds put out every few years or so. All right. You've got what the state budgets that includes all the salaries and everything else. And then you have the local levy that's supposed to be a supplement. Now, we've taken the lid off of that levy. You do not get to decide if you want your local levy to increase. It's decided for you by a school board, and that's it. They are the only ones that are involved in that decision. You do not play a part in that. Well, you can vote it down. No, you can't. Yeah, you can. You can vote it down. You don't get to say that school yes, board you... gets to decide if your levy goes up. You get to vote on a bond. No, 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 no. I specifically, I specifically asked this question. No, they, Spe- those the levies go. That's where. That's where all this confusion is between levies and bonds and why sometimes bonds Bonds fail. you can vote on. No, you vote for both of them. Trust me on this. I, I specifically asked this question when, it, when this piece of legislation was being discussed and it was told to me that the school board can decide if they want to lift that, if they want to raise that levy or not. Yes, they decide to put it to the voters. They're the ones that put the... The, put uh, it in motion. Trust me, I, I'm I'm being serious. I you vote for both, you, and and that's where all the confusion came with, with with voters who where where you had a school district pass a levy, and then the next year they try to pass a bond, which is usually a lot more money over a longer period of time, and people and voters are saying, well, we just. We just voted to raise our taxes. No, no, no. That was an operating levy. This is for construction. Two separate things, but both go to the voters. Absolutely. Go ahead and take a timeout. This is the Bottom Line News Radio 610 KONA. 547 509-547-1610. You can email us too by going to the website, 610kona.com. Go to the bottom line page. Send us your question or your comment. Lots more to unpack from Olympia, including Initiative 1000. Why that matters and what the reaction was to its passage over the weekend. Stay with us.
can't get in by phone? Give us your bottom line through email. Send your thoughts from the bottom lines page at 610kona.com. Back to the bottom line, presented by McCary Meats in Basin City on News Radio 610 KONA. You can email us, too. Just go to the website, 610kona.com. Go to the bottom line page and send us your question or your comment talking about and kind of unpacking the end of the legislative session in Olympia, marathon two, three, four days there in Olympia. You know, and the other thing you can do, Ed, is if you're a slightly tired, maybe slightly aggravated lawmaker on the way back to our home district, you can give us a call <laughs> at 547 That's exactly uh, what happened. Uh, Representative Mary Dye uh, on her way back home and uh, uh, back on the good side of the mountains, I understand. Representative Dye, thank you so much for joining us. Yes, the sun, the sun definitely shines brighter over here. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> well, I understand that you're, you're well caffeinated, so we don't have to worry about you, uh, uh, you know, driving off the road as you're, uh, after these long days. Uh, what is, uh, I guess, in a nutshell, what is your take on how, things, uh, how this session ended the last few days? You know, it was it was a tough week. Uh, we ended up spending uh, most nights. It was a lot of negotiating during the day behind closed doors. And so um, we spent a lot of time just caucusing on issues. And then we would start the gavel down around 8 o'clock at night. And then we would end up going all night long. And when the next bill would be brought up at three in the morning, literally your body would just like, oh, it's, you know, you'd go through a two hour hard debate. We fought hard. We really did. We tried to make sure that that your voices are heard in Olympia. And uh, so a lot of the action was going on while Washington slapped. Representative Dye, what what is the reasoning for voting on bills at one o'clock in the morning Two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning. Why can't these same bills be called for a vote at ten o'clock in the morning, eleven o'clock in the morning? You know, I I think that if you really were to weigh it out, I think that the policies that were being proposed were controversial enough that it was hard to get enough consensus to get a majority of votes, and so. You know, people were debating extensively whether or not they could even afford to bring those policies forward to a vote. And uh, ultimately, they were able to build enough um, support in their own caucus to be able to pass the policies on a party line vote. And that's what they chose to do. And uh, so, you know, there is a sense that there are people uh, from more rural parts that have Democrat lawmakers that are concerned about some of the more extreme policies that we pass through. And uh, so interestingly enough, like you said, the plastic bag ban, the straws, I mean, you know, there's just a lot of, there was a lot of micromanaging of people's lives. Um, Some of the carbon policy is going to be a heavy lift for the people, the producers in our region. And I don't think we'll really experience the impact on the economy right away the policies were designed to roll in slowly until after the 2020 elections have passed, and then we'll start feeling some of the more significant impacts of the carbon policies. You know, they want to monetize the environmental impacts of carbon emissions. And 
so basically what it does is it pulls wealth out of the energy economy and pushes it into the hands of the bureaucrats and the politicians to design new programs to regulate the production of our food and the transport of our goods and services across the state. And so it's what they did was very consequential. And I think that we're going to feel it. And, uh, uh, it's kind of painful to think about it. We're talking with Representative Mary Dye from the 9th Legislative District here on the bottom line. Uh, Representative Dye, we saw the capital gains tax did not make it into the to the final budget, which everyone breathed a sigh of relief on that. But the big question and the one that we've been bandying back and forth is, obviously, if that's included in a budget, there's going to be a lawsuit to follow. Would that potential lawsuit hold up the implementation of the budget to a degree that they didn't want to take that risk? They just um, they just knew that it wasn't possible to get it across the finish line. Like you said, it's, I think that the the Supreme Court justices had their gavel um, hanging in the air if that had passed. And, you know, there, there's a, a pretty, we have a pretty strong constitutional limitation on that. No matter how you look at it, it is an income tax. And, you know, when we talk about tax policy, um, they are talking about the regressivity of our taxing system, but it's broadly spread out, and the capital gains is very vulnerable to the the economic cycles, and so it's not as stable a, um, a revenue source for funding government. But the main thing is that the 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 founders of our state said no income tax, and it is an income tax, and there's no way that you can parse or frame the words. Well, and aren't a good portion of these taxes that have just been passed in this session regressive in nature? Oh, completely. Absolutely. And, you know, the hidden taxes that aren't a real tax, so all of the carbon policy is going to raise the cost of our energy and our fuel, and we get no new roads out of it. We get no benefit. It's a tax on air, and then it um, it it allows um, the policymakers to utilize money to um, compensate the communities of concern. But that wasn't ever defined, and and I can tell you that Eastern Washington is a, a large community of concern, in my opinion, because we use energy to produce the food and the products that people enjoy on the west side and it's extremely frustrating to see them um, have this uh, social justice agenda that makes absolutely no sense. We're talking with Representative Mary Dye on her way back to uh, her hometown of Pomeroy in the 9th Legislative District as the legislative session just came to an end yesterday. Representative Dye uh, talking about lawsuits or potential lawsuits, the education funding issue. Are are we headed back to court uh, for McCleary 2.0, or is this going to have to be a separate lawsuit? Or, you know, the, the, the levy lift, the property tax levy lift, was something that uh, was undone this time, put in two years ago, that the state Supreme Court says, okay, good, you're finally in compliance, and now this. Exactly. And, you know, I can't answer the question regarding process specifically, but we know for a fact that we'll end up back in court because the whole point of the McClary fix was to shift the burden for the basic education onto the state rather than to have local school districts, especially in property-poor communities, to fund 
all of the basic education. So Pasco's one of the great examples. They had a very high property tax before McClary. And they did that because housing was affordable in the Tri-Cities. It's a great growth market. It's a wonderful place to live. And the prices of housing is affordable. So as a result, they bore a very high property tax. And it wasn't fair. It took a lot of property tax to provide the same amount of revenue to the school system as it would in comparison to Mercer or one of those um, more affluent neighborhoods where housing is very expensive. And so the property tax levies were very low and they collected substantially more money to their school system because of just simply the value of the properties. So then we fixed that. And we shifted, we evil, even the, the field by allowing a statewide property tax, which was equal across the state. So that brought in substantially more revenue to a lot of school districts. And Pasco was a beneficiary of that policy. The property taxes for the local homeowners in the Pasco area were, were reduced substantially. And the, um, the, the amount of revenue going into the school district from the state went up a lot. We call it the state apportionment. And so Pasco schools were in a better financial position. And I'm not exactly sure how their local um, negotiations with the teachers union went, but um, many school districts felt compelled because the mood of the state was utilize the extra revenues to increase um, teacher pay. But the problem is, is that we had put into place kind of a salary scale so that, well, it wasn't kind of, it was a salary scale. And one year after we passed the reform, the the Democrat majority swept that salary scale out of the way. Then we were required by the court to put uh, $700 million, almost a billion dollars of one-time money to finish the deal with the McClary and get out of trouble with the court. We did that, but that was one-time money but it was subject to collective bargaining, and many of the school districts failed to hold the line on that money and utilize it as it was intended. And we ended up with um, salaries that are not sustainable, salary uh, levels that are not sustainable. So then the push came to really force the issue on the local levy that local communities should be able to pay more in their local levy. But they're already, you know, some of us benefited from a reduction in overall levy costs, but some some communities had to pay more of the state share. So, you know, overall, nearly, well, almost every school, if not all schools, additional funding. They're at a higher price. Um, they have higher revenues than they did before McClary. But because we negotiated higher salary levels for our staff, we can't sustain that over time because of that one-time money that went into the system last year. Now we're, they, that was the motivation to allow local communities to pay more. So it's just a matter of moments before we raise the lid on those levies. People are going to build a bigger, more expensive school system, putting it on the backs of the local taxpayers again, and we're going to have significant inequities between the property-rich and the property-poor communities. It wasn't all bad in Olympia. I know that the number of uh, bills that didn't pass uh, could be viewed as as wins. Uh, what is something that 
that you see as one of the biggest victories that came out of Olympia? You know, I would have to have a lot more um, time to reflect on that question. I think that the bills that um, did not pass this session, was it was amazing that we were able to slow some of those. I think that there was a, a bill that was um, a social justice bill. It was an environmental justice. It had that name. And we were able to... Um, Change that to a point where it's a study, it's, um, you know, I think holding that line, it's all part of the broader Green New Deal, part of the, you know, socialization of environmental mitigations. And so, uh, the, you know, it's just this huge Ocasio-Cortez agenda, right? And, and we were able to slow that a little bit. I think it's amazing what we were able to do with 41 House members and, you know, 50, whatever, 57 Democrat um, House members. I think we did a really good job of just slowing this amazing agenda that rolled forward that required a lot of taxes. I think the number at the end of the day on the tax piece was um, – they they wanted three billion and they ended up with two billion in additional taxes. A lot of the taxes are B and O taxes that are going to fall on service industries and medical practices, independent medical practices. We're taxing banks for their um, banking services. We're tax taxing international investment firms for their investment services. Um, we we found very creative ways. We we're taxing real estate. We up the real estate excise tax. Um, so, you know, people that work hard and save their money and play by the rules are going to bear the burden of all this crazy stuff that they wanted to do. We're talking with Representative Mary Dye from the 9th Legislative District as the session has freshly ended. One more question regarding the levy lift, Representative Dye. You, you know, your district, you mentioned PASCO and kind of an example of how the the deal benefited a school district. Now let's take a look at, at, at your school district in Pomeroy, uh, definitely a more rural district. How is this levy lift uh, going to impact your district when it comes time for voters to uh, decide on a school board raise on that 1.5%? Right. So that, that one is a, a deal where I think um, just to Pomeroy, Asotin, um, Colton Uniontown, a number of the rural school districts went ahead and passed their levies at higher rates. And I don't remember exactly. It was like $4 and something and um, that they went for and others went for in that $4 plus range. And um, so you you know that they were only allowed one and a half and, and uh, they went ahead and preemptively passed larger levies and and the people in the community said we love our schools and we want to be able to support the extra things um i look at the numbers on those local districts and every single one of them received more funding through the state apportionment it wasn't a windfall for sure because we have declining populations in some of these communities 
declining um, populations of kids in some of these communities. And so there, the benefits of the McCleary wasn't as marked. There was also a dip in funding between two of the years during the transition, and they were supposed to receive a hold harmless. And we had home hold harmless funding that was put into the budget this year. In the last wee hours of the negotiations prior to the midnight vote on that, I don't know what survived between the House and the Senate, so we have staff looking at that to see if that hold harmless um, language did remain. But in terms of those levies, you know, I don't know if now because of that lift, if those levies are now available and the, the local taxpayers will go from that $1.50 rate back up into the $4 rate like some of these communities passed. And so you look at the benefits like at Soton County, they literally were saving their taxpayers over $2 million in their community, and it's a small community. And so now they'll be back up to where they were before McClary, and they will be bearing not only the higher state apportionment, but also the local levy will be continuing to go up. Representative Mary Dye, 9th Legislative District in Pomeroy, we appreciate you giving us a call and your ride home from the legislative session. Uh, thanks for your hard work, and get some rest. I will. Thank you for letting me call in and interrupt your program. I'm really glad to talk to everybody, and I'm glad to be home. Well, thanks, and you didn't interrupt anything you no. contributed. So thank Absolutely. you very much for for the call and for uh, giving us your assessment, being there for the entire 105 days. Got to take a time out. Says the bottom line, News Radio 610 KONA. You can email us too. Just go to the website, 610kona.com. Go to the bottom line page and send us your question or your comment. More after this. Join the show. Call the legendscasino.com hotline, 509 547 1610. Back to the bottom line with Robin A. Presented by McCary Meats in Basin City on News Radio 610 KONA. This is the bottom line, News Radio 610 KONA at Dawson Rob Francis. Again, special thanks for the impromptu phone guest. Yes. Representative Mary Dye heading uh, back to Pomeroy after the uh, session is done. They're Republican from the 9th Legislative District. A couple of quick notes. Yeah, you know the old saying, two out of three is not bad. Well, three out of three is better. You got your third response. I did. From uh, from the Pasco School District, in, uh, in, in brief, um, basically... And this probably goes for every school district out there. Uh, the Pasco School District said they'll know more in a few weeks when OSPI gives them more guidance on the funding to school districts and the, the budget picture becomes a little bit more clear. He said uh, The spokesperson, Shane Ettinger, said uh, that when the decision was made in 2018, uh, you know, for that, you know, when they first put this in place, there were a lot of winners and a lot of losers as far as districts go. He said Pasco was kind of in the middle, and it's kind of hard. To, it's a little too early to say how right. that they're going to be impacted. So I would imagine that that'll be the case for many people. Coming up, we will speak with Benton County Sheriff Jerry Hatcher and Michelle Gerber with the Benton Franklin Recovery Outreach. They're an advocacy, advocacy group in the community. We'll talk with them about what the goals of their organization is and more. Bottom line returns in just a few.